Take your outline there if you would, and we're in Joshua chapter 24, and I'm well aware of the time, Joshua chapter 24, we'll make sure the roast doesn't burn today, all right, Joshua chapter 24, somebody said in life you have three choices, you can give up, you can give in, or you can give it your all. And that is a choice that every one of us are going to have to make in this new year and the rest of our Christian life. Joshua had made a choice, but I love the fact that his choice was not only for himself, it was for his family. But as for me and my house, God wasn't forcing Joshua, Joshua chose for himself. He chose. He decided for his family. I love that his choice was a fixed choice. It was something that was set. In Joshua's heart, it didn't vary. It didn't fluctuate. The Bible says that our heart is fixed, O oh God. Our heart needs to be fixed on the Lord. He had made a fixed choice, but he had a firm choice. When I think about this man, how solid he was in his faith in God, how he was unaltered in spite of all the pressures that came his way, that he was going to stay firm in the Lord. His heart was as firm as a stone, as hard as a piece of nethered millstone. And Joshua stood there that day, and in his heart, he had already decided some things. He was fixed in his heart. And he says, I challenge you as God's people, choose for yourselves. Choose you. What choices are you going to make? You see, as much as Joshua wanted to choose for them, he couldn't. As much as a pastor wants and desires for this congregation, I can't choose for you. You have to choose. You have to choose. I want you to see as Joshua stood there that day, first of all, the contemplation. The contemplation. What is contemplation? It means to to, to, to reflect on things, to take time to allow some things to come into view. Now, certainly, we just came out of the end of 2017, and it's in the review mirror. We can take some time to look back maybe on some areas that maybe we failed the Lord, maybe, maybe some areas that we let someone down. Maybe we can stop and think about things that happened or maybe what should have happened in the last year. And the contemplation as they stood there. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, as, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. God's going to bring all things into view. And we need to stop as the children of Israel stood there that day with Joshua, and we need to think about the choice that is set before us. And as we contemplate, I want you to think as he was trying to get them to understand, first of all, to remember who they were. The Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 24, he gathered all the tribes of Israel. All the tribes. And the Bible tells us that you and I that, that are, are a child of God, that the Bible says in, in Ephesians 5 verse number 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now, the Bible says, Are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. 
God has saved us. God has redeemed us. And he was trying to help them to understand that you need to remember who you are, but secondly, remember where you came from. The Bible talks about in verse number 2, how that he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. That's where you came from. That's what you used to be. That, that's your heritage. I think about how God's worked in my life over the years and how I used to be on the other side. And I think about what the Bible says in Luke 8, verse 22, where Jesus told his disciples, he says, I want you to get into a ship. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. You know why? Because God has something waiting for you. God has something on the other side. And he says, you need to remember who you are and who you were, but you need to remember where you came from. Don't ever get over your salvation. Don't ever get over the fact that you are a sinner saved by the grace of God. May we never look at somebody and think we're better than someone else. You see, he tells them, remember who they were and remember where they came from. But then he tells them to re remember what God has done for them. I won't take the time this morning, but if you look beginning in verse number 3, notice the Bible says, and he says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him. He says, multitudes multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Verse 4, I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. He says, I gave unto Esau Mount Seir. Verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. He says in the last part of verse 5, I brought you out. Verse 6, I brought your fathers out of Egypt. Verse 7, he says he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them. God did that. Verse number 8, I brought you into the land of the Amorites. He says, I gave them into your hand. He says, I destroyed them from before you. On and on and on. Look at verse 13. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and oliveyards which ye planted not, do ye eat. Remember what Job said? Job said this, naked came I into this world. You know how much Job brought into this world? Nothing. And you know how much Job's going to take out? Nothing. And everything we have, we have because of the good hand of our God. Amen. You see, jo jo Joshua stood there that day. And Joshua said, you need to take some time to think. The Bible says, Psalm 126, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Aren't you glad for the goodness of God? And I want to tell you, folks, just as Joshua stood there that day and was challenging them to make a choice, God says, I want you to do the same thing this year. I want you to choose to contemplate, to reflect upon what God has done in your life and what God is going to do in this new year. But notice, I not only see the contemplation, but I see the confrontation. You see, Joshua... Being the leader that he was, and I'm going to tell you, this is not an easy thing, but to confront people. It's the part of the ministry, I'll be honest with you, that I struggle with. 
No one really by nature is confrontational. That's why a lot of times people don't want to go out and talk to people about the Lord is because they don't want to confront somebody with their sin. But yet Joshua had a responsibility as the leader of God's people to confront God's people. And this morning, guess who God's given that opportunity to? That privilege to me. Confrontation. Confrontation is something that, in other words, it is to bring together something for examination. And this morning, as we think about this new year and the choices that lie before us, before we ever step into this, this theme, this thought of choosing, we've got to bring some things together. General Douglas MacArthur said, in war, all tragedy can be summed up in two words, too late too late. How many times we put off? We don't take care of matters. We just push things aside. And Joshua was challenging them. He was confronting them. I heard about a confrontation between a young boy and his mother, and the mother asked her son, she said, young man, there were two cookies in the pantry this morning. May I ask how it happens that there is only one cookie now? The little boy didn't flinch. Here's what he said. It must have been so dark in there, I didn't see the other one. <laughs> you ever had a mom confront you? You ever had a father confront you? You ever had God confront you? I know that when I've been confronted, it's because of something I did that I shouldn't have done. And I know the people that confronted me were doing it because they loved me. They wanted me to make some right choices. That's exactly what Josh, Joshua realized. My life is gone. I don't have much longer. But before I go, I want to confront you about some things. And I want you to see from the passage what he confronted them about. Notice as he confronts the people to choose, first of all, to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. The Bible says in verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. A lot of times we think about the word fear, and it always carries negative connotations with it. You know, I had, a, I had an awesome fear of my father growing up. Rightfully so. The word fear talks about reverencing God. And folks, when we want to reverence God, we want to reverence Him as the object of our worship. We didn't come today to worship man. We came together to worship God. Amen. This year, we choose to worship God. And he is, he is telling them, you need to fear the Lord, 1 Samuel 12, 24, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. He confronted them with the fact that just like the world we live in today, here's the world's slogan, no fear. There's no fear. I see people, sometimes I'm driving my, my automobile that probably weighs 23, 2,500 pounds, and people just walk right in front of me and dare me. And a couple times, it was close. But nobody in this world today fears God. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because of the way they choose to live. 
but may we be Christian men and women that choose to fear the Lord. Joshua confronted them with that. He confronted them, secondly, with this matter of forsaking their gods. Look back in verse 14 again. Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Put away the gods. Folks, what's your God today? Say, I don't have little statues or little idols. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. It's a God. I've seen people that have spent time, more time on certain things than they do with the Lord. And Joshua says, look, you need to fear the Lord. You need to forsake your gods. In in chapter 24 and verse 23, put away, he said, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. He confronted them about reverencing God, fear the Lord. He confronted them about forsaking their gods. But then notice, thirdly, he confronted them about favorably serving the Lord. He says, serve the Lord in sincerity. The word is a great word there. It means with your whole heart. God's interested in all of your heart. He doesn't want half your heart. He wants all of it. Don't be divided in what you do for God. Serve Him with your whole heart. Look at Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul. The question is, will you choose to be all in this year? to put your whole heart into it, this matter of serving the Lord. He says, look, you need to think about who you are, where you've come from, what God's done for you. And then he confronts them with the fact that there is no reverence of God, that they have their gods that they need to get rid of. And then he says, and if you get rid of those gods, guess what you'll do? You will serve the Lord. But I want you to see the third thing. As As he's trying to get them to choose, notice the consecration. What is consecration? It's being set apart by God for a sacred use. A Christian woman asked her pastor one time, she said, Pastor, what's your idea of consecration? He was holding onto a blank sheet of paper when she asked him this, so he took the piece of paper, and here's what he said to her. It's like signing your name at the bottom of this blank sheet of paper and then to let God fill it in as He wills. That's what God wants you to do this year. God wants you to give your life to Him, to say, Lord, whatever it is that you want, that's what I choose. I choose to do your will, just like the the Lord Jesus prayed. Look what the Bible says as we think about their declaration of allegiance in verse 16. The Bible says, and the people answered after Joshua said, choose you. They said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18, and the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land, therefore will we also 
serve the Lord, for he is our God. Do you see their declaration of allegiance? Uh, They're saying, look, we choose to serve God and to serve him only. And that's what our heart's cry needs to be is that we choose to serve the Lord. I read an account, I never saw this before, but I, I full well know what the pledge of allegiance to our flag, I've said it many times. I was thinking about this matter of allegiance and the children of Israel and our nation, and I read back in 1892 that the Pledge of Allegiance used to read, I pledge allegiance to my flag and to the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That's what it used to read. But in 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a bill And that bill that he signed added two words to the pledge. One nation under God. Folks, our allegiance is to the Lord. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, we need to choose to pledge our allegiance to Him. Listen, not just in word, but also in deed. It's easy to say it. It's another thing to do it. May we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of the word of God. You see, I see as he asks them to consecrate themselves, their declaration of allegiance. But notice, as a nation, they chose their decision. Notice their decision is recorded. Look at verse 19 of our passage. The Bible says, Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he had done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, watch now, nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these things, these words, in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God, So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. You know what Joshua was saying? He says, look, you said it, but now I've written it down. I've put it into words. He says, and I'm going to set up this stone as a memorial. That every time you see that stone, it's going to remind you of the promise that you made that you said that you choose to serve the Lord and to serve Him only. I don't know what it is this year, 
But you need to think about something that you can set up in your family, in your life, that every time you look at it, it's a reminder of what you decided today, the choice you made, that I'm going to serve the Lord and Him only. I heard about a husband and wife, and sometimes people do this, but prior to marriage, they decided something, and they, here's what they decided, that the husband would make all the major decisions and the wife would make all the minor ones. So all the years go by, 20 years pass of marriage. Somebody asked the man, they said, so how's that arrangement working out for you? And his response was, oh, it's been great. He says, in all these years, I've never had to make a major decision. Some of you will get that later on. You know what? They made a choice as a husband and wife, and they stuck to it. You can make a choice today, but will you stick to that choice? Did you kind of catch from Joshua how the people said, we choose to serve God? You remember how Joshua came back? Now, remember now, if you go back on that, here's what's going to happen. And may God help us, whatever choices we make, that we honor those choices, we stick to those choices, because God has written them down, and God had set up a memorial, and it's time that you and I make up our minds. It's time that we choose. Joshua is not only the only one in the Bible. The Bible says that Elijah came unto the people, and notice what he says, how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. I read an account of, I like to read things about President Ronald Reagan, this wasn't something while he was president of the United States, it was when he was a boy. And I read this story about Reagan, true story, that one time he had an aunt that took him to a, and you know this is an old story, took him to a cobbler for a pair of new shoes. The cobbler asked the young Reagan, said, do you want square toes or round toes? I've never had anybody ever ask me that before. But he couldn't decide. Young Reagan couldn't decide if he wanted square-toes or round-toed shoes. So the cobbler gave him a few days, and several days later, the cobbler saw Reagan on the street, and he asked him again, what kind, of, what kind of toes do you want on your shoes? Reagan still couldn't decide for himself, so the shoemaker said to him, he says, when you come back in a couple days, your shoes will be ready. So the future president of the United States did so. He came back, and he was handed a pair of shoes, and he found one shoe had a square toe, and one had a round toe. And the cobbler said this to him. He says, this will teach you to never let people make decisions for you. Later on, Reagan said these words. I learned right then. He says, if you don't make your own choices, someone else will. And we live in America, and if Christians don't learn to make the right choices... I'm afraid someone else is going to make choices for us. The song we sang, Choose You This Day, tell me who will you serve. Let nothing stand in your way. Give him the praise he deserves. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you bow your heads this morning? We will serve him. You know why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the invitation is simple this morning. Choose.
There's a choice before you. Not just today, but every day of your life as a Christian. Will you choose to live for God? Will you choose to serve Him? Some of us have forgotten who we are or who we were. Some of us have forgotten what God has done for us. This morning, singles and husbands and wives ought to come this morning. Come to an altar and say, Lord, help us this year to make some choices that please you, that honor you. Help us to not just say words, but Lord, help us to follow through with what choices we've made. Throughout this year, when we're faced with certain things, help us to be like Joshua and have some fixed choices. A firm choice. No turning back. Let's stand this morning as we stand. If God's speaking to you this morning, husband, wife, singles, why don't you come this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Be a great time to start out this new year at the altar asking God to help us. The piano plays with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. This morning, if God has challenged you, like Joshua challenged the people of Israel, why don't you come this morning? If you're in the middle and you can't get out, just ask the folks next to you, would you mind if I slip by? Maybe ask them, would you go with me to the altar? God's asking you to make a choice today.